Welcome to The Buzz, the Gloucestershire Growth Hub podcast, here to give you ideas and inspiration so you can take your business forward. I'm your host, Sophie Bennett, and our guest today is Ella Rowan Prestes. So welcome to the Growth Hub podcast. Here we're going to share the human side of business. How do successful entrepreneurs think? How do they meet today's business challenges? And through all that, balance their lives and stay human in an increasingly digital world. Our guest today is Ella, founder of FitBakes. Ella started FitBakes as a side hustle alongside her role in IT. And FitBakes is no longer a side hustle. It's a fast growing brand. Ella's worked with the Growth Hub to develop the business. And we'll hear a little bit more about that during today's podcast. So let's dive in. Hello, Ella, and welcome to the show. Hi, Sophie. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Give our listeners a 30-second overview about FitBakes, where you're based, what you do, and what your product is and who you sell to. So FitBakes is a low-sugar, high-protein bakery um, based in Cheltenham. We make uh, snacks, so uh, healthy, guilt-free snacks. Uh, we started as a business online, we'll go to that later, and now we are in um, a few retailers, multiple supermarkets, and also with us, still with our strong online routes going on. Wow, and that all started when you were still doing something else, right? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, no, uh, that all started from uh, whilst I was in my full-on, full-time job, uh, I worked for um, 20 odd years. We don't like to give up that, so it gives up our age. <laughs> and uh, in the IT industry, uh, telecommunications to be more uh, specific. And uh, yeah, so it started from my kitchen table as a side, side gig, let's say. And uh, you, there was a lot of, uh, let's say, baking on the weekends or baking at nights and then uh, running to the post office during my, during my lunchtime to post orders and then running back and then uh, you know, I have a conference call, I can't talk anymore. And then anyway, there was a lot of that. Yeah. So where did you get the idea for the business from in the first place? Was it a personal demand that wasn't being fulfilled by other suppliers? Was it a dream you had? Where did it come from? It was, so um, I'm, I'm uh, originally from Brazil. So uh, in, in Brazil, you, you, people have, especially in that area, I'm from Rio, it, you, you grow up with that thing of a, uh, of um, healthier alternatives of eating since you're born. So I, like, I, I don't remember, for example, have ever having uh, the sugar pot in my house, never had sugar in it. You always had stevia since I was a kid because it's just how we do. You know, or like a, we, don't, we don't deep fry anything. We don't, we, we've, we've grew up with this. We, we, don't, we don't drink uh, um, like a, a squash or fruit juices. We drink coconut water. For example, okay. this kind of stuff to kids, like so. This it's a healthier uh, uh, culture. I think it just started earlier there. Things that started later here. So people come to me now and say, "Oh, uh, I found out this new uh, alternative to sugar. It's called stevia." I was like, "Oh, really? Did you just find that out?" So okay. So uh, yeah. So my grandmother taught me about stevia when I was a child. So I think it was something that I saw. Uh, well, I just grew up with that and. Uh, and then when I got to the when I came to the UK to work for, for a telecom company for IT, and uh, and I'm I'm a cakeaholic, so that's that's the thing. I love cake. I'm just you know I crazy about it. I found out that the UK is 
I think the only country I've seen in my life that I've been around in some countries um, working, this is the only cake that has a whole aisle in the supermarket dedicated to cake. It's like cake land, it's a cake dream for me. But then I was looking, where's the healthier cake? Where's the, you know, I'm not talking gluten free because that's great for people that, you know, the one eat gluten wasn't my case or uh, dairy free if you're vegan or whatever. But that's, that was, I was looking for a low sugar or a high protein and there wasn't any. I said, oh, hold on, maybe we can do that. So I was just, let's test it. So that's how the idea came up. So you just spotted a gap in the market because yeah. of a personal demand in your cultural yeah. background. There's a lot of that, yeah. Fascinating. So you started baking and then people started asking you to bake for them? Yeah. Oh, it was a bit like I used to make stuff here, like on dinner parties or for, you know, for friends and stuff. And people started to say, oh, you know, you should sell those. And I'm like, guys, I work like you know, 12 hours a day, corporate job, full on, career, blah, blah, you know. The result of that is like, yeah, I'm not going to start baking on the side. And then it's like, well, why not? So I, I went on the, I tried to focus on my strengths that I think that's what everybody should do. You know, it's like, um, I'm a big believer on the, on the try to, to use well the, the, the skills that you already have. So in my case, it was the IT skill. So I knew how to make a website. I knew how to play with, let's say, SEO or Facebook ads or this kind. That is my world. My world is not manufacturing or baking. I mean, I, baking was a hobby. So I tried to focus on my strengths and say, okay, if I make a website myself, cheap one, free, Shopify, nothing fancy. Uh, and if I try to work on this uh, IT area a little bit to promote an Instagram, so there was a lot of influencers, there was a lot of uh, uh, Facebook groups, you know, all these little uh, uh, um, tools that you have, uh, email marketing, all that. So I started to play with the world that I knew to promote something that I believed. So, and that's, that's how the company started. And we, we, and then the, there was a business plan and the business plan was, okay, well, the first year is going to be online. Okay, so we can test the product and see what happens. And then when I realized we are like, you know, like selling in a, in a shipping and this, and then I had to like cut my job to part-time and then anyway, and then the story goes on, but that was, that was the beginning. Yeah. That's interesting. So you, you had some strengths, you knew what they were, you were pretty analytical about that. And were you still baking from an, sort of your own kitchen at that point? When did you move into the change of getting somewhere to manufacture? Because that's a big shift for any small business yeah. to take on premises. So uh, when we moved into this house that we live, uh, the first thing, the one thing that we mentioned was, uh, it was such a waste. It's like the kitchen is not proportional. The kitchen is too big for the rest of the house. It's like, why do people need such a big kitchen? In the end, so Fitbits worked from here full on. Uh, it got after me just baking. I couldn't bake anymore. I didn't have the time to bake anymore. And uh, we got to the point of having four bakers full time in my kitchen. Wow. <laughs> it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. So, uh, uh, yeah, I can imagine. It's just, I mean, we're talking thousands of cakes leaving this, this this house for the first year after that then we we, we moved out um, so to another facility but that was just temporary because uh, the idea again um, the plan from the beginning when that's when I, we decided that this was going to be a, a, a full-time business let's say not only a side gig anymore was to, again to focus on our strengths and which uh, uh, well, when I say we, it was my husband and I, so our co-founder and I, uh, 
we between us we have quite a few strengths so it is one sales another one marketing finance we have quite a few strengths but manufacturing is definitely not one i never did anything not here we never worked in manufacturing so we decided that let's leave uh manufacturing to people that actually know what they're doing because i i i think that's where i've seen quite a few companies lose money on that because then you acquire premises and acquire machinery and then that's a lot of investment investment that if you don't know how to operate that in a most optimized way you will lose money because you're talking that the margin in, in manufacturing in, in especially in food the margin is in pennies we're talking very tiny margins per unit so if you you know mess up something there goes your margin if, if you have a waste there goes a margin so we, we, we decided to outsource it so it's now the, after a year and a half, almost two years, we managed to outsource it to a large factory. So now we have a contract manufacturer that does it for us. Great. So you knew your strengths. I that's a really useful lesson for people listening to the show, actually, is that you ran up to full capacity, really tested your idea. You really tested the market. You used the facilities you had. And then when you had to go and scale, then you went and resourced the skill that you didn't have, you didn't try and grow into that and change who you were. And oh, presumably, absolutely. yeah, and you've stayed being on top of the finances, on top of the margin, on top of the marketing, and on top of the branding, uh, rather than trying to spread yourself too thin. I think, I think it's, a, 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 because it's not realistic. I mean, at least for me, I, um, what I think is to get where I am, for example, in uh, uh, tech, or in uh, finances or in marketing, it took me 20 years to get here. So, I mean, it's gonna take me another 20 years to learn this level of expertise in manufacturing. So let's hire somebody that knows what they're doing because I definitely don't. So <laughs> and tell me, how has the COVID-19 uh, epidemic, how has that affected the business? Is it positive, uh, negative or neutral? Both, a lot positive, a lot negative. So in, in the balance, I think we are, we are doing well. But uh, so the negative parts was uh, we got, we had a few clients that uh, shut down, like uh, Selfridges, for example, just shut the stores and a couple of other ones. Um, in the, or not even, some, some of them didn't even shut down. Well, for example, uh, we sell to, to Sensories but, uh, and Co-op, but, um, because our product is, uh, is located in the food to go aisle in, in that area, uh, uh, where people go to buy sandwiches and stuff for lunch, you know, a lot of, since people are not going anywhere, they're not buying food to go. So there is nothing, so that area is not selling at all. All products in that area are not selling. So that, that's, we took the hit, big hit on that. And, uh, there was some, a lot of stock going off, uh, past the best before date and stuff. So that's, that's, a, that was a big hit. Um, so how did you how did you manage um, that in the business, and how did you manage yourself? Which is what I think is really interesting. When those numbers started coming in and those responses started coming in, did you change where they were going to go in the aisles, or did you? What strategies, as a person, did you help to keep yourself level? We have a group. I think that helped a lot. We have a group of uh, of. Um, uh, FMCG, food uh, uh, brands, startup founders uh, that are not exactly the same level, but let's say from where we are until, you know, I mean, we're talking revenues of uh, 300,000 until 3 million, every, all the people that are in this group, that uh, we, we are, we're just part of this small um, 
group to exchange ideas and stuff. And we decided to do a conference calls twice a week. So we did a conference call on Wednesday about uh, finances in uh, HR, like grants, furlough, what are you doing? How are you, what are you deciding? Are you going to leave your office? Are you going to leave your lease? Are you going to, so this kind of like decisions, like, so you're not alone. I think it's important to see that you're not alone and to, because it, and, and learn from, from people that are a bit bigger and a bit smaller than you. So that helped a lot. And the, and the other uh, call was about sales and marketing. So we knew in advance, actually, from because there are people there that uh, there are people that that, are, uh, that have big contacts in the big supermarkets and you know, that talk every day with Tesco and Sainsbury's. And, and the first thing they said is, food to go is going to die, guys. Brace yourselves. So we're like, okay, hold on. So we lowered stock here. We, we, we could take some action. But it was it was a it was a nightmare moment. It was just a nightmare moment, and especially for us because we have a short life product. Cakes is a short life product, so it was literally throwing it in the bin. It was just oh. calculating how much is going to go in the bin. Yeah, it was a, it was a nightmare. The the other badass aspect that happened was the first day of the lockdown when it was lockdown was announced. Um, the our contract manufacturer called us. So our contract manufacturer manufactures to takes for three big three clients mainly. It's uh, two very large uh, coffee shop chains, which you can imagine, you know, yeah. the two big ones. Yeah, from the four big ones, two of those, the cakes come the big. So it's those two. So those two giants and us. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> when those two giants decided to had to close their doors because the government told them to they were left with only us. So the guy, the owner of the factory actually called us and said, look, I'm going to have to shut down because it doesn't justify keeping everything open. The cost of keeping everything open just to make your cakes, it doesn't pay. You know, I'm sorry. I mean, I have bills to pay here. I have to, I have to furlow my staff, my staff to survive. So that's when we, I literally, I think I sat down on the floor and I'm like, that's it. Let's see, we're done. We're done. I mean, like, what's going to happen? We don't know when this is going to end. It might be next year. I mean, I think we're closing the business. Then after that, we, well, we took the hits of Suffrage and Sainsbury's, Sainsbury's. So that, those are all the bad news. <laughs> the good news is uh, we are very, very, very well placed on the online business because that's how we started. So we have a very large base of online clients. And then I had the online, online sales already starting to go up and no product to sell because the manufacturing was shutting down. So then uh, it was safe as well because you could just take the hit and say, look, you know, let's furlough ourselves, take the 2,000 pounds or something, whatever, be safe, close the business and then see. But then I was like, you know what? No, I don't think so because people know us for uh, online. People, our following on Instagram is massive. Our Instagram was like rocketing and the website was going so well when I'm like, you know what? No, we have, we have to do something. So we asked for a meeting. We proposed to the factory that we paid double the cost of the product that we were paying initially. So everything we, we would literally have zero margin, but wow, great move. <laughs> zero. We would sell with zero. margin. If we had no waste, we would have zero margin. If we, we waste one cake, that is negative. So that was it. But the idea was, we power through this, we increase our turnover. Because um, uh, sales online, they pay in advance. 
So in terms of cash flow, it's not that big of impact because they pay you, they pay you before you deliver. So that's all right. Yeah. So that, that wouldn't be a hit. And uh, what I thought is, we have historically 40% of returning orders. So whatever customers I acquire now for a very expensive price, if I can keep 40% of them afterwards, that's where our money is. So I'm happy to say that after two months, we had the two best months of sales in Fitbakes ever the last two so months. That, that was a very brave move, but it was also backed up by the fact you knew your numbers. And you really knew the total value of a customer for every 10 customers that walk in the door, you know what the value of an average customer is over a year or two years because you know how much they come back. It's a great lesson in really knowing how the numbers drive the business and being able to make decisions based on the numbers rather than on just a gut feel. And you need a bit of both, right? Absolutely need a bit of both because uh, if if, if it was, even if you know your numbers, depending on your gut, you can just say, you know what, it might be safer to sit down like and, and close the door. Let's close it, you know, and we open afterwards. And then I'm like, oh my God, I was, I was sweating every day. And I was like, I was every day, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then you have, we have to order big orders because the factory was going to open for us just once a month. So the order was too big. And I'm like, what if we don't sell? What if we go, what if it goes off? What if I throw everything away? It worked. We sold out, we sold out consistently. And then, uh, so yeah, I think, I think it, uh, it, it paid off, definitely. Not sure we'll do it again, but let's go <laughs> Well, let's hope nobody really wants to go through this again. But yeah. how, the really interesting question, I think, that everybody manages their emotions and the roller coaster of any business challenges, because businesses are challenging all the time. They're just particularly challenging right now with supply chains and outlets and resales. Everything else is, is difficult. But how did you manage emotionally you've said about your sort of peer group that you've worked with to exchange ideas but how did you manage to keep yourself on an emotionally even keel enough that you could make those decisions coolly enough to feel that you had the best chance of getting them right uh well my my, my husband helped a lot i mean that, i mean having being locked down with your co-founder it's great and it's not so think about it. You, you're, you're with your business partner and co-founder lockdown for, you know, three months. So yeah, I would say that we learned a lot more about each other. And, but uh, he, he did support me a lot. And I think I support him a lot. It was, it was a, a, a teamwork full-time on. And even though we took a bit some decisions, like um, we have offices in different floors of the house, because if, if we stare at each other, it's not going to work. So he sits up there, and uh, uh, and uh, we have I think a routine helped a lot as well. So uh, we made a we have a uh, we made a little small gym, like say in the corner of the house here. So I had my time at the gym, and then he had his time at the gym, and he took he went cycling so to get off. So it was a lot of a uh, routine helps a lot. Uh, I saw that, and uh, uh, we have we are very lucky to have a garden as well. So there was a lot of like sitting outside. I think that helps the spirit, you know, to keep it up. Because I can just imagine how difficult it is if you're like locked in a fantastic flat in the middle of London. I mean, and you, you know, fantastically located flat, but you can't get out, you know. So uh, I think uh, the fact that we are here in the in the country, you know, you can go out for a walk and you can like, you know, do some see. And, and the, the, the weather helped a lot as well. So I think that's a, so I think it was a combination of exercise, uh, um, 
routine and uh, and uh, taking some procedures, let's say. I think that that kept me uh, kept uh, both of us, I think, mentally just uh, settled. And of course, we, we I, I I take full responsibility for the moments of rents that I've had <laughs> because they did happen. <laughs> there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? But yeah, you know, it happens. So yeah. <laughs> and tell me about your interaction with the growth hub has that have you got a growth hub mentor how's that worked for you what's it, yes. what's it done for so, the business peter peter brown uh is my uh, growth hub mentor uh he came by uh when uh, we were first starting i think yeah yeah he first started we still had a um manufacturing was here i was in show in my kitchen and uh i was absolutely lost in a few quite a few items there and uh, Peter has quite a few quite a lot of experience in um, with uh, uh, in the cosmetic industry in the in the it's not food it's FMCG but it's not food but it's still he knows how to deal with large retailers and logistics and yeah understands of, the category yes so he has a lot of experience with that so he, he, he explained and taught me a lot of that in the very beginning which I knew zero and uh, he was like, really, he, uh, when um, we went to have the first meeting with uh, this contract manufacturer that we are um, uh, working with now, uh, which is quite far away, it's not in the area. We tried something, but people in the area, but nobody could do it. So uh, it's quite far. And uh, Peter actually took the whole day and he went there with me. So he literally held my hand to walk into that room. He's like, it's going to be fine, Ella, let's do it. So. Uh, in, a, uh, in, a, in, in, in the way, from here to there, that we drove, uh, he drove, thank God, he doesn't have to drive, but <laughs> that he drove. Um, we talked to so much stuff that I think I arrived there so much more prepared that he actually said, okay, you have to pay attention to this, remember that, you know, if he talks about this, you have to remember that, because this is what he needs, this is, this is what he wants, this is what you need, I'm like, okay, 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 I'm like writing down stuff, you know. So, uh, yeah, no, it was absolutely priceless. That trip itself, it paid for the whole, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's uh, an amazing resource, isn't it? You think it's available to Gloucestershire businesses uh, and the facilities that they offer uh, that's funded. Amazing. When I tell people in other areas that we have this, they're like, oh my God, you lucky thing. Like, <laughs> you're Gloucestershire lucky people. <laughs> yeah. Now they've got a podcast as well. Um, yeah. So let me ask you, Ella, what, uh, as a result of the experience you've had over the last couple of months particularly and what came before it what will you keep that you've changed since the COVID-19 crisis what are you going to keep and what are you going to get rid of that might be practices how you deal with things how you spend your time what's been best that you're going to keep hold of first of all I think uh, in some weird way it brought us a bit more together in uh, uh, further physically speaking, but uh, like there is a lot of people, for example, that I used to speak in messages or like uh, uh, or, or texting or phone like at the most, and now I zoom I zoom them so I know what they look like. I think that's great because it's just it's different, isn't it? So I think that's good. And uh, uh, well, in my personal life, I'm gonna keep calling my father every other day because I started to do it now, so I, that will keep that will stay because <laughs> I I didn't and. Uh, my father is self-isolating by himself so um so that's a shielding so i think it's really interesting a lot of people have uh said that they've built stronger relationships because of zoom and video calling 
and being more conscious about keeping in touch with people than they had before. And yet you would have imagined that it would have been the other way around, that we would... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we just, we, you get back in touch with, uh, you get in touch like closer with all the people and you actually know uh, what the truth is. We've been here, I've been working from home for quite a while. So I was always the one trying to like shut, shut out my dog, you know, or, or you know, or, oh, the, uh, the doorbell rings or something in the middle of a call. But now it happens to everybody, so I'm not alone anymore. So that's so good. <laughs> people are like, oh, it's okay, you know. So, yeah, it, it absolutely happens to everybody. People are homeschooling and all, all sorts of challenges. Um, so what will you get rid of? What were you doing before that you were spending time doing that you've worked out you really don't need to do or you can do less of? Is there anything that's happened like that? Uh, I think there was a lot of... Um, we were very... In, a, in, a, in terms of, like I say, on a struct... I don't, I don't think on a personal level... Uh, I think there will be, a, on a personal level, there will be a lot of like, I discovered that I found out that I don't have to, to that I can, I, I actually manage to work out from home by myself. I have that discipline. I found out that I have it, that I can do it and it's fine. So that's one thing you can like pay less in the gym. So that's, you know, so gyms, haircuts, this kind of stuff, it's all can be done from home. On the business side, I think um, it made us rethink some priorities because um, uh, we have always been, focus on the online um, business and uh, we, and, and, but then there is always like, oh, but you only make it when you get to a supermarket. That's how people used to think. Now it's the opposite. If I could tell the names of, I had one brand that actually called me when the lockdown started because they wanted to have a couple of advice about influencers and Amazon and, and online sales. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you, you, I have to recall this. You cannot be calling me because it's like, it's, it's, you know, like, like, a, a, it's, it's, it's the giant calling the, the little guy. It's just like, so I think this kind of values, like, uh, I think, uh, 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 focus on the online is, uh, you, I think you have, it has to have a balance. It has to be a balance basically, but omni channel, let's say for every business, is more important than ever. Yeah, your route to market, and clearly because you had IT experience, that's something you've you've done well. And from what you've said, it's been the what has been the lifesaver for the company. Yeah. If you hadn't have had that online following and already built up those skills and the followers and the influences and the connections that you have, you maybe wouldn't have had a business by now. So Absolutely. you had a very solid foundation. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, we were, oh, the other thing I forgot to mention is like just quickly, we were, when lockdown started, we were in the middle of a fundraise, literally in the middle. So we had five investors to come in, three bailed, and we are like holding the other two, like, please stay. And the reason in the end that they stayed uh, and they, they came in is because uh, we managed to show that we have strong foundations that can survive in different situations. So and that we would, we, it would work, you know, and then we were, we were thriving even in the crisis. So, and then we, we, we switched a couple of things as well, you know, so just to. So oh, well yeah. done on getting, on getting, keeping hold of any investors right <laughs> at the beginning of lockdown. Well done. So, so let's close off by sharing with me something that you've learned about yourself or about business in the last 
few months that might help some other Gloucestershire businesses stay sane and in business uh, coming out of this thing? I think, um, like, my, like I mentioned from the beginning, I think always focus on your strengths. I think that's, uh, and the, the, the funny thing is, you keep finding out what your new strengths are. You know, you might know what they are. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not talking only professionally speaking. It's like, like, oh, okay, I know I was, I knew IT. That's fine. But uh, for example, I found out that I have self-discipline to work out. So this kind of stuff. So you know, focus on your strengths, your strengths, and and uh, don't be afraid because I think all the weakness and strengths they came out, uh, they just came up more during lockdown, right? I mean, we just, all the fears and all the, you know, I, I, I had a lot of moments of anxiety in the beginning because I have family abroad and uh, things in Brazil were not well dealt, you know, the, it's still not well dealt. So when I have people shooting, and you know, so all this thing of being away, but you know what, if you can work on your strengths and go with the self-discipline and go, you know, have a, do have a run, do some cycling, have some, some, some uh, routine and a, uh, if that's, if that's your strength, because that might not be yours or whatever it is. I have friends that meditate. I can't meditate. I wish I could, but you know, I can't. I try. So I'm not, that's not my strength. Focus on your strengths. They'll find out what they are. And, uh, and I think the other thing is reach out. You're never alone or whatever you're doing. You're never alone. Professionally speaking or personally speaking, there is always somebody in the same situation as you. Self-awareness and building strong relationships. It's a great point to finish on. Ella, thank you so much for your time. I wish you well coming out of the situation that we're in now with a stronger than ever business and a stronger than ever online presence. And uh, may your cakes fly off the shelves in the best possible way. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Thanks, Ella. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to The Buzz from Gloucestershire Growth Hub. I'm Sophie Bennett, your host for today's show. Until next time, bye for now.